0: Hello, Rich Bolas here. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Dad Mindset Show. This week, I chat with writer and director of That Explains Things, Nick Parker, about staying curious and being your most authentic self in order to be the best parent you can be. This is one of those rare conversations that you have with a complete stranger where you feel like you've known each other for years and you're just catching up over a beer. Nick and I, it turns out, have quite a lot of childhood history and holidays in common, having grown up in the same era in roughly the same region of the UK. I hope you enjoy this wild roving conversation with Nick as much as I did.
1: Nick Parker, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me, Rich. Ah,
1: It's a long time coming. I've really enjoyed i think the first piece of your work that i came across is a tweet where you put out a picture about if you hit this sign you will hit that bridge <laughs> now, tell us a bit about that nick so that,
2: that, yeah so that is um a road sign in griffin georgia in america and it's something that i share so i'm just to back up i'm a writer uh So a lot of the work I do is sitting in my shed alone writing. And then also quite a lot of it is um, teaching, running workshops and helping people write more effectively and more creatively and all the rest of it. Um, (laughs) I quite often kick off by showing some kick off the workshops by showing some examples of bad writing and good writing. Um, It's a great bonding experience for everyone to realize that, you know, there's an enormous amount of terrible writing out there in the world. And so we, like, we have a few minutes laughing at how awful these various bits of corporate nonsense are. Um, and then I show that, like, I, which I still think is one of the greatest bits of writing I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, as you said, it's a big yellow sign in front of a very low bridge that you just know will take the top off like yeah. any sort of large lorries. If you hit this sign, you will hit that bridge. <laughs> And it's a brilliant bit of, like, it's super simple. It's very funny. Like, when I read it, I always hear this kind of world-weary voice, you know. Yep. If you hit this sign, you'll hit that bridge. You idiot!
1: Yeah, you'll definitely. Um, <laughs> and the way it, the fonts, the way it's even typeset and everything, it's kind of a little bit lo-fi. It's almost like someone painted yeah, it because yeah. they're like, I am yeah. sick of having to fix that bridge. I'm just going to make my own sign and hang it up. It was like Graham, yeah. the caretaker, just decided to put it up.
2: Well, do you know, that's not far from the truth. So I've been showing this flipping thing for years and like, it never fails to, you know, everybody loves it. Um, and then probably two or three years ago, uh, I decided I'd, I'd try and track down the guy who took the photo uh, to say thanks and try and give him some money <laughs> just because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's largely built my career around this one photo. Um and I did manage to find the guy uh, in America, like, amazingly, like, years and years ago, somebody, had, there was a link on a Reddit thing, and, um, and he said, uh, like, and so amazingly, he was just about to do a, a charity bike ride, so I, I sponsored him to do this thing, and then I put that out in my newsletter, So loads of people who read my newsletter sponsored him, and there's this sort of lovely oh, community awesome. moment. Um, and he said that the bridge got demolished a few years ago because it was genuinely really dangerous. It was
1: hit one too many times. <laughs>
2: team. Um, but the townsfolk of Griffin, Georgia, kept the sign and they put it in their town museum and it's pride of place. He sent me a photo of him like, in front of the like the, the sign in the museum <laughs> with a thumbs up because um, he's like, well, the people of Griffin, Georgia, like, they think that's like them you know it's it's down to earth it's straight talking it's helpful i just love the idea So, a lot of the work i do is you know helping brands find a voice yeah um that like literally this town in georgia uh has a tone of voice document which is this big yellow (laughs) tin sign
1: that's their reference point
2: (laughs) yeah amazing lovely
1: Oh, wow. And so,
2: so, so that's how you got to know me. It
1: is. It is. And then I got onto your, your newsletters. Um, so, so basically, because you've got a whole bunch. I mean, you've got um, notices. Is it, Oh, hang on. I can't even remember the names of them now. Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, so the, the notices. Notice is, yep. And then Tone
2: Knob. The notices is just rambling, like stuff that's interesting to me. I've been writing that for years and years. Uh, and then the last year, I've started a second one called Tone Knob which is deliberately like (laughs) so every couple of weeks i write about one brand that is doing something interesting with its language or its voice or its writing yeah um and that that's that to my great joy and surprise is doing really well and is growing quite fast and like amazing like you know so i've been i've been doing this sort of work for years and years and years and it's always been sort of niche really brands and language but yeah it's finally sort of tipped over into being something that Actually, there are loads and loads of brands doing really interesting stuff with their words. Um, uh, yeah, and so like it seems to appeal to loads of people. It's great.
1: Yeah, it, it's magic. I like lo- it's. I only read two newsletters at the moment, and and like yours are right up there. So like you know, whenever they oh, come through, like yes, oh, yeah, it just puts so a smile on your face.
2: What's the second one? What else made the cut?
1: Austin Cleon. The guy oh, who wrote yeah, Steal Like an Artist. And I love it like, because yeah. his is very visual as well. So there's like a yeah. good mix between words and visual. And uh, yeah. so between you two I guys, you're know, I... putting out some good stuff. So thank you.
2: I read that as well, and you know when it comes in, i I think, ah, oh, I can't start that now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I need to grab a cup
1: of coffee first and go yeah. sit on the porch.
2: <laughs> it's the one that is at least two hours later. You're down some rabbit hole somewhere. But that's yeah. what's great, Amazing. isn't
1: it? Because it's almost like you're cur- curating like things that interest you, and then you're serving them up to people that like the way you think, and and I think that's yeah. the real magic of that. One of the real positives of the internet.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. And you know, well, <laughs> to bring this round to kids and being a dad, um yeah, just that a way of sort of expressing your interest in stuff and sharing it like i can't i was trying, trying to explain to my boys what it was like to live in a world where that wasn't possible like oh, yeah. that if you wanted to write something somebody had to commission you to do it pretty much <laughs> yeah um yeah, they thought, well, yeah right that's there.
1: right because i wanted to touch on your your history i mean tell us a bit about Viz.
2: so um my so i've been a writer pretty much all my career um uh, the first thing, no, the first thing I was paid to write was a joke on a, a radio show called Weekending on BBC Radio Four, um, which I got paid the princely sum of thirteen pounds for, which is pretty much the amount of money that I spent on faxes sending in jokes every week. So you know, I was running at a loss. But I, hey, no, you broke um, even
1: straight away. That's cool. A good work. No, no, amazing.
2: <laughs> And then um, I had a little period where I was sort of just freelance, sending in work to Viz magazine, which um, like isn't something I talk about so often now, until, because I mentioned it in a workshop not long ago, and there was a, a young woman there who went, oh, yeah, yeah, I think my dad used to <laughs> use Viz. Which, oh, God. That, <laughs> yeah, um, just twist but that. obviously, if you, for any of your listeners who know Viz, like this stupid, rude, funny clever magazine that was a sort of parody on old-fashioned british comics yeah i used to do a couple of strips for them it was the first time i was sort of paid properly to write um and actually there was a, a thing happened that they like so i they said they'd take the work and they were gonna publish it and pay me and then they sent me a contract to sign you know all of you know the copyright stuff and there was a little box at the bottom about VAT and it said you know something like if you're if you're VAT registered uh you know uh, uh, send us in your VAT number and then in brackets underneath it said uh if you don't know whether you're VAT registered or not then you're not <laughs> believe <laughs> us if you are you'd know it's a bigger pain in the ass than piles <laughs> um, and it was just a lovely kind of like it was so viz even in the small print of their contract yeah um they just kept up their voice, and that was a moment for me of like, oh, that's fun. I want that job. Yeah, of like yeah, Combining like comedy or like funny attention to detail with you know the sort of unexpected stuff, and then then I promptly went off and worked in publishing for several years, and like eventually, literally, that's still what but, my job yeah that is.
1: that little mote of an idea sort of like just just broke free later on and went, hey Nick, yeah. this is what you really loved, remember?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened.
1: <laughs> I love it. When you mention that, it reminds me of the first co-working space I went to had the best terms and conditions. You know, generally, it's like just 16 pages of jargon, usually in like capital letters and stuff. And then you click, I agree, after not reading any of it. Well, it just yeah. like, it sprung up with, I agree to only do good stuff, don't do bad stuff. Agree. And I was like, that's perfect. Nice. That's all nice. you need in terms of conditions. It's pretty straightforward.
2: And what's interesting, like, we really remember those. Like the sort of discretionary effort, if you like. Yeah. For somebody to take the care to make that clear or interesting or funny. And like it makes such a massive impression on us. Like it we thought sort Yeah, of, yeah, you know, marketing and advertising fine, of course you'll get that. That would be good because you pay agencies loads of money to do it. But just those little details make such an impression on us.
1: Yeah. And it puts a smile on your face and you're like, yep, yeah, someone's day yeah. is actually better because of that.
2: Yes. yes. I, I, I
1: used to do a fair bit of work in UX, like when we we're doing online courses and stuff like that. And the way I looked at it was like the complete opposite. I, I thought, like, if nobody notices the work I've done, that's a win yeah. because it's completely yeah. frictionless. They've not got yeah. to that point where, oh, what do I have to do here? Or, oh, this is not working or something. So, so I was focused on the other end of the spectrum. And then when people said, oh yeah, it was completely, you know, no dramas. I was like, oh, brilliant. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. Because it was com- that, that was at a time when online learning was an absolute nightmare it was just people forcing square pegs into round holes and forcing people to do stuff that was just cringeworthy so yeah interesting (laughs) okay so back to your boys though nick because you mentioned like you touched on um you know being father and, and trying to introduce ideas to your children like what have you have you got any sort of examples of that? I I know there was one of the pieces where you mentioned that your eldest son, I think, had gone on a work day with you.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> this is fascinating. As you're talking. So obviously I you asked me to come and talk on your podcast and I was like, Yeah, that'd be really cool. And then I listened to um a load of the your previous ones. <laughs> I was like, so now I'm having massive imposter syndrome <laughs> that you've had on you know therapists researchers behavioral psychologists and then like some joker uh who writes for a living what i was so i'm like what have i got to add oh you got loads nick
1: like i Um, mean we said before the show you you've made it past phase one you kept them alive all this time
2: so that is true so my my boys are 15 and 13 and through you know largely (laughs) sort of luck (laughs) <laughs> i do feel like level one complete <laughs> yeah a game of five something happens like they're now both very much at senior school and that you're like oh phew thank god and something changes in the way that you relate to them and talk to them and suddenly like that that load of stuff that you know felt like it would just last forever and ever suddenly gone like oh my god um largely marked by you're no longer carrying around a ton of kit yeah like you know it's <laughs> a the day when you get rid of the, the changing mat it's like oh <laughs> god for that yeah and then the day you're like oh look we can give away the car seat ah yeah
0: fantastic.
1: and where, do, and you, then, do yeah. you well do you find it really kind of nice when you go to a cafe and you see a couple bundling around like all this gear and you're like yeah. I feel so liberated <laughs> it's oh, like amazing god, not to have to carry all that stuff
2: I I do remember reading, I can't remember who said this, but it, is like, it strikes me as true almost every day, is that um, you never quite, the stage of life that you are at is real, and you never quite believe that anyone else at a different stage in life is really real. <laughs> and I, that's really true for kids, it's like when you've got really little kids. Or maybe, you've, you know, you've got a baby and you look at people with older kids and you just think, no, what are they doing? They're not real parents anymore. They've passed into some sort of really? mythical yeah. land. And now I do it the other way around as you look at people with younger kids and I'm like, my God, what are they doing? They're stuck there. God, <laughs> <things>. <laughs> they've
1: got they've got millennia to go before they break free. <laughs> this is a whole hero's yeah, journey I, to go on before they actually <laughs> it really transcend. It
2: really is. I've got a little nephew who's 18 months. It's like, oh, my God, like, it's a completely different species. Like, <laughs> we, they've got children. I've got children. But no, we just live in completely different universes. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's same grid, so I'm grid reference, different planet, isn't it?
2: I'm stalling here because you asked me, what <laughs> what, what have I got? Um, so the thing you talked about is uh, my, my eldest son is 15. Uh, his school set up a thing called work shadowing. Um, i was like, what is that? And so basically, <laughs> it's like work experience, but you're not allowed to do any work. You just have to watch. That's good. <laughs> um, which I was like, wow. And originally, I thought this sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. What could be more boring? But actually, it is quite interesting to think. Okay, so they're they're just watching me work. I can't give them like photocopying or stuff to do.
1: Filing. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, actually, because I'm a writer, and like the day that they were meant to do work shadowing. Um, I was just in my shed writing, um, I thinking, okay, so we're going to go on a call now with a client. I'll have to explain what this is. Um, as it happened, the day that I was doing it, I'd got a call with um, like a big global bank, my really my most corporate client, but they were um, people in the HR team, so they were really excited. They're like, "All oh, right, look, so we've got teenagers coming on. We can ask them what they might want to get from working for a bank." <laughs> So I was like preparing. It was it was actually George, my son, and his friend. Um, I was preparing them for like they are going to be super excited (laughs) to be on this call. Um, So we did that, and it was like a real moment of like you know throughout the whole day of like you know and this is what I do now. And now I've got to you know write this thing. So you know I'm going to read the brief and think about it and blah blah blah. (laughs) It was a moment of like, oh, Dad actually has quite an interesting job. That's awesome. Yes. That was a win. And then I did set them a I I just thought there was a limited amount of watching a middle-aged man on Zoom that they could cope <laughs> with for a day. So in the afternoon, I set them a brief, which is an old like a real brief that I had, had from a client, which was to name a a new British lager. Um and the brief I'd had from the client at that particular time is there were two territories they were particularly interested in exploring um, one was like tough nature and the other was like industrial heritage so I gave them these two things and I set them off I gave them a typewriter so I was like you know there's no googling <laughs> off you go here's the books and a typewriter and my god they just like in an hour they came up with the best names I mean Rich, if we were going to a bar now and there was a pint of cracked slab, <laughs> that was the one I like. How could you not <laughs> order that? Yeah,
1: or smashed mallet,
2: smashed mallet. <laughs> like, so I was caught genuinely to, with sort of a moment of sort of fatherly pride and of thinking, oh my god, I'm out of a job. This is just, I've <laughs> got it that's yeah, awesome smash mallet, fantastic so that would be a six percent uh, ipa exactly
1: it? i can exa- i can imagine how i'd feel after like a few pints of that stuff Absolutely. not just quite sure where i'd end up either it sounds like you've got to be on the locks at camden or something drinking it
2: yes yes
1: <laughs> now what was the feedback from your son then what, what did george actually think afterwards did he did he give you any feedback
2: he seemed to genuinely obviously, you know, you're always reading between the lines, <laughs> teenagers <laughs> to, genuinely seemed to really enjoy it and sort of got the idea that um you know, it's one of, it's really interesting, isn't it? That idea of creativity. Um is a big abstract you think that kids' lives are full of it because they're always, you know, playing games and, you know, mucking about and but actually they're just doing what they're doing. Like they're not thinking, you they're know, they're colouring colouring in creative. the boxes,
1: aren't they? Like colouring yeah, colouring yeah, in between the lines.
2: Stuff. Yeah, or they're making up a game. Like my kids had this brilliant thing of um, they would invent games when they were kids, and they'd give them mad names. Um, like so, uh, quite often these games would involve going into um, a room, taking all the cushions off all the furniture, and bouncing around. Like to the to the untrained eye, every game would look exactly the same. Um, but one of the games was called. Um, Sexy Jamaican Pond Rider. <laughs> um, obviously, no further explanation needed. Uh, they had a game called Fat William Jones. <laughs> <laughs> There's the a sort of political incorrectness to a lot of these notes. Uh, Armless Teacher. There was another game that involved um, one person tucking their arms inside their pajamas e- and flailing around <laughs> trying to hit their brother with the. <laughs>
1: whilst on the lily pads. <laughs>
2: um so you know obviously we're there as parents going oh they're so creative this is really joyous um they're not thinking themselves as creative they just make up a silly game give it a stupid name um so what so to go back to your question (laughs) um it was a really interesting moment of like well that's just that's creativity that's like what i do for a living is like pluck ideas like that out of the air or out of my head or uh through talking to my clients or sometimes we sit in a room and do that together and apply them in the world to you know and that that is my job and i think that was genuinely a moment of like oh my god like i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> <laughs> and i I did think it's that because that abstract idea of creativity he has no idea like he's just like he just does his things
1: yeah so do you think there's like has there been any extra sort of
2: yeah, I, th- I think
1: I'm going to pursue this direction. Has he actually mentioned anything again?
2: I no, he hasn't, and partly deliberately because I've not talked about it. Because <laughs> like you don't want to blow sort of it. It's <laughs> like yeah. yeah, just leave him to explore it. So and so, George, my eldest, is uh, he's quite musical. He plays the guitar and he sings, and there's very much a sort of so broadly speaking, a sort of creative thing there. But again, it's like. Um, so, I talked to him a lot about that, but I'm conscious of not wanting to go, you know, look, you can do like what your dad does. Yeah, that'd be the worst. Um, it's like it is one of the first lessons you learn, isn't it, as a parent? Is anything that you try and get your kids to be super interested in, they'll just instantly go in the opposite direction. Yeah. And <laughs> eventually, like now, I'm realizing that those things do come around in a circle yeah and years later they'll be like oh you know dad i was thinking about whatever And you're like oh yeah i remember mentioning that to you <laughs> three years ago. yeah you have gotta come to it in your own sweet
1: time that's right and it's it's interesting because my 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 middle daughter middle youngest daughter is going through the a similar thing but she's sort of trying to nudge the boundaries and and pick all the songs with swearing on spotify when we're in the car and (laughs) and, and i i get the i get the sense that she's just like just nudging and trying really? to get a response because really? i think maybe from other family members or something she gets a oh no don't play that song that's got rude yeah. words in it or something and and i'm just holding myself like, i think it's hilarious but i, I kind of get the feeling that it's almost like she wants me to go oh no you shouldn't play that song because that's got swearing in it <laughs> so i've just been holding back and it's yeah <laughs> i wonder how long it'll it's last so pleasant, isn't
2: it like it must be annoyingly tricky to push your parents' buttons these days. I yeah. mean, God, if I wanted to rile my parents, I could, like, you know, anything, literally anything, <laughs> the way I dressed, or the things I said to, yeah, you know, playing a song with swearing in it would re- instantly get a reaction. Yeah. Like, now, nah, we're like, oh, that's an interesting song. Yeah, you're like, like
1: damn it, ah, I- oh, back to the drawing board,
2: <laughs> foiled again. Oh, <laughs> Oh look, Rage Against the Machine! Yeah, I remember seeing that yeah, twenty-five well, that's, years that's ago. That's
1: got to be the worst. World. When when your parents yeah. go, oh, actually, that's classed as classical music now because it's over twenty-five <laughs> years old, and they're like, "What? It's Guns N' Roses. It's not classical music."
2: <laughs> and it's like I'm really fascinated by that, like the generational gap between. So I'm forty-nine. You know, I grew up in the in the eighties, essentially. Yeah, me um, too. Generation just turns forty-seven parents. this week. Yeah, like we're ancient now. Um, but the generational gap between our parents and us um, was just much bigger. Like we came from like different cultural worlds, I think. Whereas the sort of the the way that we can relate to our kids, like so much more of it is shared. Um, I like that is a complete joy to me. Like the conversations I can have with my kids and the things we can share, um, it's just so much greater.
1: Yeah. What are the sort of examples? Like, what are some of the things that you actually do bond with the boys on?
2: So, well, music is a big one. So we went as a family to the Reading Festival this year. So like a rock awesome. festival, essentially. Yeah. Um, and we all had bands that we wanted to see. I mean, it was a sort of nostalgic, weirdly nostalgic thing. Um, so I live not far from Reading. And the last time I'd been, last literally last time I'd been to a festival was in two thousand and six, just before George was born. So, and we'd seen the Arctic Monkeys play. Um, It was their first. It was their big breakout year. I don't know if they were headlining. Um, And then Arctic Monkeys were headlining this year as well, and they're George's favourite band (laughs) now. So, literally, this band that we'd been to see. You know, before he was born is now his band he that's right all it's not yours dad it's but mine amazing. yeah yeah and that was sort of joyous in a way um and then obviously they had a load of you know they wanted to go to the grime tent and there was sort of loads of british rap that i know of because they play it in the car all the time it's yeah. not really my music but i get it so they were they were able to take us to that tent and like basically explain <laughs> what the hell was going on. But it was just a magic sort of. There was just lots of sharing, and like sometimes, like we had that thing of like, ah, oh, no, you know. So this band, yeah. are, you know, are sort of inspired by this band, and if you want to check out this band from the seventies, you're you know sort of nodding. So dying, so, over.
1: are you saying Nick is almost like sharing without judgment?
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Because if you'd have then, taken yeah, your parents there,
1: they'd have been like, "Oh, Nick, this is rubbish." You know, yeah, like...
2: like, they would have hated all of it. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, I was just super fascinated by you know the music that they're interested in and the way that they were able to explain sort of you know really deeply and knowledgeably. Like, no, you know this, but you listen to Ardy and listen to H, and you know you this guy is you know we'll go and see Dave on the main stage and he'll have this guy guesting and like it's just amazing, like totally brilliant. <laughs> I came away with as much new music to listen to as, well, probably more than they did. Actually, <laughs>
1: that's epic. That's so good. That's 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 exactly what you want, though, isn't it? Like to to actually have that sort of shared experience rather than. I used to think as a parent, it's it used. To, I was looking forward to all the things I could take my kids to show that I loved, but yeah, like someone actually pointed out to me that you know the real joy is actually when you both go somewhere and you, you explore something together. It's much better. It's yeah. not like top down. It's it's like wow. Let's let's explore this, you know.
2: Yeah, and I'm finding that that I feel like that is the sweet spot of this age for me. With them being 15 and 13, so earlier on in the year we went to um, the Rocket League European World Championships or something. So you know, I don't know if you know. Rocket League's a a computer game. On the Xboxes, rich, <laughs> and it's um, how can I explain Rocket League? <laughs> it's uh, like five-a-side football with cars in a cage. Whoa, um, and it's <laughs> and it's like you watch it and you think, you know, that's a like it's a daft, interesting game, um there's not that much to it like you know but and i think what's happened is it's one of those computer games that has accidentally ended up being actually quite a skillful interesting yeah. thing yeah. So like this whole thing is built up around it and there you know there are big championships and there are teams and it's a big esports oh, thing my. and there was like the whole thing at the copper box arena in london like two days european championships and my kids had badgered me and badgered me to go. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Well, the last thing I want to do is sit through two days of watching somebody else's kids play computer. <laughs> yeah, games. I'm trying to stop you guys playing as much as possible. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go
1: somewhere where it's sanctioned.
2: <laughs> and then I was like, but, you know, actually, if we go to London and we'll stay over the night, this is a, this is a trip. This yeah. is a real moment. Yeah. And um, at some point, maybe in the first hour of sitting there, nursing my five pounds warm beer as this blasting music plays and i haven't got a fucking clue what is going on <laughs> on the screen um, i felt this like the curmudgeonly old man in me was about to shut down and go no oh, this is just rubbish the God of this terrible music. what a waste of a weekend like, what are we doing with our lives and i just thought no let's just go with this like there's something going on here this is fascinating even if it's only culturally you know i'm in this like whatever like 7000 people of which most of them i expected to be like you know half of us would be there babysitting and you know the real audience would be under 12s. it actually wasn't there was mostly you know young 20 something uh, a real mix of you know there were men and women and like, all spending a weekend watching other people play computer games and i and i just sort of gave myself over the kids and was just like what's going on here okay explain why is that good why is that an interesting <laughs> move why is everyone cheering now yeah. <laughs> um what's the skill and it god honestly rich it was amazing because they basically again without judgment steered me through this thing and explained what was going on and we just had the best
1: time that's awesome that's so good nick <laughs> so um so now you you actually sort of having conversations about the this esports when they bring it off, and, yeah, complete and that, you completely on track.
2: Know, I have a team. <laughs> what were they called? Moist. <laughs> you know one member of the moist team has left. Um, like, but I, yeah, I'm into the whole thing. I'm, in fact, football football is another thing for me. I was never into football as a kid or growing up. Not particularly interested. Uh, my boys are big football fans and um now me and my wife are uh members of reading football club and we all go and see the matches regularly and that like again it's just that choice of like yeah there's taking your kids to see things and yeah. then there's being the and then you can go in this is a thing son yeah and you know obviously kids love that because they, there's a sort of bonding thing there and you know they look up to you and all the rest of it um then there's the sort of being the taxi driver or the chaperone where you, they essentially go and do it and you sort of stay on your phone. Um, but I've sort of decided to not do that and just go, okay, so I'm going, I'm going to be into it.
1: That's awesome. Um, and amazing.
2: And so I'm I'm into football. Like, I went to my first proper football match aged 47. <laughs> like, it's just brilliant. brilliant, brilliant.
1: I've, I've heard this happen with other friends where they're – There's two friends actually I know where they got into taekwondo as kids completely separate towns and their dad had to go along just to keep them company because he was dropping them off. So he joined anyway. And then after six months, generally I think if both of them are six months, they give up and then the dad's hooked and he goes on to become a black belt and then become an Amazing. instructor and he's still doing it to this day. Like, and it yeah. wasn't just one friend. It was two friends that this has happened with. So yeah, there's a uh, potential to find new stuff everywhere, isn't
2: there? And I think, Well, I mean, I think it's the only thing I feel genuinely certain of as a parent is that the most, the most effective thing, like the biggest gift I can give my kids or the lesson or whatever you want to call it, is just my own sense of genuine curiosity in the world. Like if they can see me take an interest in stuff and go, okay, like and lean into it and sort of genuinely engage with it. That is the best model of anything, like because it cuts through everything. Like It's a sort of emotional thing. You know, you're choosing to be positive. You're choosing to be engaged. You're choosing to be non-judgmental. You're choosing to be curious. And you're choosing to enjoy life as much as possible. And enjoy life with um, them. It really validates them, yeah. doesn't it? Because it's you yeah.
1: giving your attention, and that's what you know. I know I, as a kid, I like, craved. You know, you, when you yeah. when your parents bestow attention on you, like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, you know, we get to do some cool stuff. Because generally, parents are so busy with all the the other shit, the chores, the running a household, just working, all that sort of stuff. And to actually get that unadulterated attention, it's, yeah. it's amazing.
2: Yeah. And that's such a mix of things that, you know, sometimes they're things that you know about and you're good at, and then then it's things that they're much better at. And that mix of, yeah, something, you know, you're always somebody else is always leading. Um, Yeah, fascinating. Really fascinating.
1: (laughs) So, who were your role models, do you reckon, when it comes to parenting? Did you have any, or was it just like, you know, looking at older friends or something?
2: God, that's a really good question. Um I remember having so my family was very loving but very uptight. Um we never like <laughs> we never <laughs> talked about anything. Like <laughs> certainly not feelings or emotions. Uh, definitely not ideas you know there's never any sort of political discussion or discussion about money or religion like any of these and so basically I left home at 18 and went to university and studied philosophy like I, I was starved <laughs> of you know you're probably getting this impression talking to me like I'm super interested in everything yeah like I'm yeah, yeah interested totally. in ideas um and so i sort of just burst out of home and didn't look back really and i remember (laughs) the door
1: was just swinging on its hinges like (laughs) yeah it
2: really was and i sort of didn't go home for about 10 years um really just because i was desperate to sort of suck up so to engage with the world in a different way and so in a way and i I remember my parents had friends who didn't have kids the couple um who didn't have kids and when they came round and the way they talked to us, um, because they didn't have any of the sort of baggage and anxiety of uh raising children, I really remember that spark of like, God, you can really talk to them in a different <laughs> way. And that really stuck with me. And then weirdly, one of the um, one of the biggest things is so my wife has two much younger sisters, so technically half sisters, so who were, when we, we, me and my wife met when we were 18, 19. And so Charlotte and Sophie, her younger sisters, were four and one at the time. So all throughout my, those early years of my relationship with my girlfriend, now wife, um, were, I knew her little sisters as they were growing up. And there was, and hearing them as they grew up talking about how great it was, to have an older sister and we're sort of, you know, that sort of half generation gap. I learned a lot, I think, from hearing what they valued about having, you know, they had their parents, but they also had me and Sam who were, you know, again, didn't have the responsibility of being parents related to them in a different way. Um, And actually, so before we had kids, um, talking to them and understanding how important the things that we'd done with them were, was really inspiring.
1: Yeah, almost that step step removed, isn't it? Because I remember going on a trip to the States when I was 16 and the family we stayed with had a, a son who was 28 and he just took me under his wing and I'd be playing basketball, tennis with all his friends. And it was almost like having a like a sub father figure, like not a, yeah. it wasn't a, it wasn't really an older brother. Cause it was like a good, like 12 years older than me, but there was, there was something there. that was like that intermediate level that I was just thirsty yeah. after that, you know, cause we were just like part of community immediately every night out with the older guys that weren't, they were, they were mature men, but they weren't my dad, if you know what I mean. It yeah. was, it was magic.
2: And is it was it the Stephen Biddulph book? Is it raising boys? Like he talks about that, you know, the different stages of yeah. You know, the first bit is all about you know your mother. The next bit is all about your father, and then come fourteen, fifteen, you need a sort of mentor. That's outside right. Of the you family. need the, the okay. village men sort yeah. of thing to take you yeah. under their wing. And I really noticed it. I mean, we talked a bit just before we started recording about the big family holiday that my family has in. In Barmouth in Wales, and we have this big manor house. And there's about this tumble down manor house where nothing quite works. But there's like 15 or 16 of us, and there's like, what, like, you know, three, four generations in that house for a week. And it is just the most joyous thing. And it's all about those cross connections. Yeah. You're never really looking after your own kids all week, and you're never really. Yeah, and you just think that's what it used to be like. That's that's what it was being in a tribe, surely. Yeah, we've lost track, haven't
1: we? Because we find the same. We go camping with four other families most years, and it's just great because you can really actually relax at certain times because you're sort of outsourcing different elements to the people that you know gravitate towards that particular thing like two of the guys take the kids surfing because they're epic at surfing and then we might take them bushwalking or something like that and it's really good to be able to sort of for the kids to move as a as a little cohort between like the the parents that specialize in different things and and sort of not just be led by their own parents all the time
2: and that it's really interesting what you're saying about that idea of yeah you just pick up what you're good at or interested in and you do that with the kids, yeah. And the kids get to you know, then move around, essentially, you know, a series of like being with the experts, and it's sort of <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. part of the reason that parenting is so hard is <laughs> you continue having to do a load of stuff you're not very good
1: at. Uh, you've never had any training. An you no, you have yeah. no idea. And you're sleep deprived on top of that. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. And that's—I like, mean, I'm—I'm I'm just reading um, Gabor Mate's book, *The Myth of Normal*. Oh, moment, really? A big I'm literally reading his other one, like *Hold on to Your Kids*. Like I'm uh, halfway okay. through, yeah. And a, and a lot—you know—a lot of what you're saying is just, you know, it's a very obvious point that a lot of our social structures are highly abnormal when it comes to, you know, all sorts of things, our health and um, education, but particularly raising kids. You know, this small atomized family unit where you as a couple of adults um are solely responsible for doing playing all of these roles yeah it's incredibly unusual stressful in (laughs) entire of our you know human history and you're like oh yeah that that, that's
1: why and then you overlay a mortgage that's 10 times your salary yeah and and then you know both parents have to work and then like oh what the hell do you do during holidays good luck with that
2: I mean, I feel incredibly lucky. I uh, I used to work in an agency in London. Like, I was commuting every day. I was, you know, exhausted. Um, I'd be leaving the house at seven in the morning, getting back at seven at night when the kids were little. Um, I might see them get up, but I might not see them go to bed for days and days on end. And then when they were at seven or eight, the opportunity like, pretty unexpectedly arose for me to leave and work for myself which i did like just got instinct didn't really think about it um if i'd have thought about it like we'd just moved house um we were like it wasn't really the right time to do that it was like a slightly (laughs) terrifying thing to do but if i'd have thought about it i wouldn't have done it for maybe another two or three years at least um and then that sort of opportunity would have gone yeah the sort of the, the stage they were growing up Uh, you know sort of five and seven at the time um i got back a load of time to spend with them that would have been gone in an instant and like you know i had this idea in the back of my head that you know it would be great to spend more time with the kids but like it was this sort of abstract idea that i could get round to one day and it's only now really looking back realizing how incredibly lucky it was that i took that opportunity really without thinking because um, I'd, I'd have just missed it otherwise.
1: Yeah, completely gone. And and there's no going back. It's like the difference between a ten-year-old and an eight-year-old is massive. And yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we're we're lucky we've got three. So, I kind of look at like our youngest now and go, "Oh man, let's let's hang on to those bits for a, like while they're here, because in a blink of an eye they're gone."
2: Yeah, it's tragic. You, <laughs> no, was, that thing. You know, you never remember the last time that,
1: yeah, whatever it was. But there's, there's gonna be time. one, you isn't there? Not.
2: Yeah, and there always is. You never remember the last time they gave you a big hug and said they loved you before they ran into school because the next day suddenly, you know, that's they're too cool for that anymore. And like these, this whole like all yeah. of this stuff is constantly going. Oh. Yeah, ha! that's it.
1: It's it's the 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 list of last things, and and that's why you've just got to be in the moment, haven't you? And just almost yeah. like. I find and the hardest thing right now is there's so much like barraging us. Like you the, 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 the temptation to look at your phone when the kids are around, it's so strong. I don't know whether you're struggling with this, but I'm really having to put it away and literally yeah. look up and go, Oh, these people yeah. around me, they they're only here like this essentially until they get their own phones and then they're gone like they <laughs> like they, and it, like once because i'm i'm struggling my ass off trying to put this thing away and like yeah you know I, i'm i've got a I mostly <laughs> mostly fully formed frontal cortex you know like they don't even have the machinery to deal with this until they're probably 25 and um no, it's uh, really
2: true it's like uh, we've got again almost by accident. um a thing that had worked really nicely for us is I, I realized we'd got basically cables and phone chargers all around the house. Like, <laughs> Are they super glued like, into the socket so that yeah, no one can like, actually move it? <laughs> it's like, wait, who's got this fucking cable? Like, so I, I who's got, got the got, fast uh, charger? Big, Where's dad's charger? charger? Yeah. So I got a fast charger with about eight cables coming off it. And I plugged that into the wall and I put it in a box. Oh. That became like the phone charging box. That's and awesome. And for a few glorious months, both of my kids have got phone, for a few glorious months, there was a rule that, you know, if your phone, if phone was in the house, it went in the charging box. Oh, and I th- that what was really interesting about that is like, it made me realize that, like just the basic geography of a house. Actually, you know, where I grew up, there, there was a phone table in yeah. the hall, and the phone like a half in one circle place.
1: stuck to the wall or something. Yeah.
2: And so, if you wanted to have a conversation on the phone, you had to go and stand in a particular place. And it's like, ah, oh, but phones, uh, you know, digital devices don't have that. They live with us. There was something really good about going. oh the phones live there. There's a place for them. Yeah. You know, downstairs. That's right. In the the main room. Um. You know. All that. As gone out well, the window it was, now. It was but like yeah
1: it, well it was like in a, on american like sitcoms it was seen as crazy oh well they've got like 20 foot long cords so they can like walk from the kitchen on their phone and sit in the lounge and it's like oh that's pure decadence who'd do that what are they doing yeah yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Are they> crazy <laughs> what are they doing they could they could talk on the phone in any room in the house <laughs> god bonkers Surely that'll lead to sort of moral depravity <laughs> yeah, that's right uh, oh man yeah and it's partly it's one of like i'm sort of always looking out for little moments like that actually as a either as a family or just like like the design element of that
1: creating the environment isn't it that's what uh, you know if you can get that right things just work
2: yeah yeah I don't even, have a
1: clue how to do that, by the way, Nick. I'm still working on it. It's like <laughs> when you see it happen, or wait, it's usually by accident like, oh, wow, that actually works. <laughs> that was not by design yeah. at all. But hey, let's write that one down. That's a keeper. Uh,
2: do you know, I had a moment of this. Um, last weekend, I went to a friend's house and I realized they have their television on all the time, like, in the background all the time, usually playing like trashy um uh like quiz shows and i just suddenly realized like oh like you know you think you think your environment is pretty similar to your friends and the way that, that you bring up kids and all the rest of it i'm like oh that's completely different in our <laughs> house like the radio is on or the silence yeah um, and there's not a background of like these sort of, like, frankly, I've found them incredibly inane game shows. Partly they're <laughs> inane because as soon as they're on, I can't resist watching
1: them. Well, that's the so, thing, oh, isn't
2: it? So I'm even the... just turning the telly off. Yeah. Like, helps shape an environment
1: yeah well yeah. we we actually when we moved into this house we got a projector instead of buying a tv and it was a it was a lucky nice. masterstroke because we ended only ended up playing movies through it which was great it became like a movie on the massive wall but it was too much effort and fighting around to just put the tv on and so whilst yep. it's a pain in the ass to get a movie going it's actually been really good because it's prevented just the the general tv That's flow really nice. but now when i go to a family house and there's a TV on the wall. I am the worst person in the room because I'm like this. I just can't. <laughs> I, someone's going to be talking to me, telling me a really interesting story. And I'm constantly turning my head, looking at this thing, because it's almost, almost like a I'm hypersensitive out, yeah. to, yep. to that sort of stimulus now. Oh, it's crazy.
2: That's so good. <laughs> um, like, and still, like, it's easy to overlook, isn't it? But the best thing is family meals. Like, if you can keep a regular rhythm of eating together as a family, yeah. that just kickstarts so many things.
1: Yeah. What sort of conversations? Do you have any primers? Or what What would be a normal sit-down?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Do you know, whenever I read about uh, people who have, like, you know, oh, I never just ask your kids, you know, so how was your day? Because they'll just go, oh, all right, then. <laughs> like, right, I'm going to write this down. What's a better question to ask? Yeah. And I, I never... Have (laughs) just how was your day? I'm always just asking, like, how was your day? Like, what was the most interesting thing that happened today? Did I'm always like, did anything funny happen?
1: Yeah, that's That's yeah, that's that's one of my. Did you make anyone laugh? Oh, uh, that
2: is a good question. Yeah, because you always do like the question You know, what did you struggle with but persevere and still succeed? (laughs) It's like my kids would just go, "Fuck (laughs) off!"
1: (laughs) Awesome. No, I'm totally going to ask that question tomorrow, (laughs) just to see the the, the synchronized rolling of eyes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, anything to get them talking about their day, Um, and then you're away, loads of stuff. And like, I'm sort of, I try and do the same thing, like that my, you know, I'm lucky that uh, I work from a shed at the bottom of the garden. So when the kids come home from school, they always come in. So they get to see what I'm doing. And That's they do cool. this little miming thing outside the window. It's like,
1: Are you on a call? Or can we come in?
2: <laughs> and then they'll come in for a bit. And so we get to have a little bit of a chat. And so again, that thing of like, they sort of know what I do and it's not a mystery. And I can talk about that. And I make a point of talking about the interesting things that are part of my job like cuz i realized it's very easy um to set up the idea that you moan about work actually yeah. or that work is tiring or uninspiring or somehow disconnected from the rest of your life and i have a job that's not like that so i feel like it's really worthwhile if i can share that
1: yeah and also them. being
2: like that i'm self-employed i think is like there's a sort of fascinating opportunity for them it's a completely a
1: different, different lens, isn't it, for them to view the world? Yeah. Because they're told at school, ah, oh, your careers advisor, you know, work on this and get that job. And um, yeah. to actually know that there's a way, oh, what? You can actually come up with your own thing and provide a service yeah. and then just charge people and they pay you money. That's amazing.
2: Totally brilliant. Totally brilliant. I We had a, a moment as a family, um, it must have been on one of our big holidays, actually, of sort of realizing, sitting around the room, Realising that everybody else, bar one, so out of 15, 16 people, um, were paid by the government oh, wow. in the UK. That they had, they were either teachers, uh, or they worked for the NHS, uh, were doctors, um, uh one of my father-in-law actually worked for a water company so he had worked for the council but there was then privatized it's like oh my god like i think of because all my friends also run businesses or are self-employed or freelancers um i think of it as very normal but realizing when they looked around at their extended family what it meant to have a job Like actually i was the outlier <laughs> and was doing something very different like,
1: yeah uh, that's a great role model to sort of set for you well model to set for your kids that's awesome um now i am highly aware that you've got to head off nick and i've kicked the ass out of the time we, we just flown <laughs> through we just burned through this time so quick i've got so, so many more um, questions to ask you so um, should we
2: do do like rapid fire I, yeah, feel yeah. Like, I i still feel like i haven't actually done any kind of what, what, do you, what do you normally ask your guests?
1: <laughs> no. Well, we, we covered off the main one, which is role models. I think the, 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 the one I really wanted to ask you, what advice would you give yourself if you were going back to the point when you literally walked out of the hospital with your first child?
2: What would you whisper um, in your ear? So, obviously, um, my uh, previous self uh, would not pay any attention to future Nick. <laughs> We'd just look at him and go you smug git <laughs> yeah. um the uh, 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 i remember being given the advice very early on that everything's a phase yeah. everything's a phase the bad stuff is a phase so let go of it um uh but also the good stuff is a phase so um like, don't hold on to it like it's all yeah and i, I think knowing that early and embracing it uh would have been really like it ultimately was really helpful just knowing that earlier um just like it's like yeah like you've got this it's okay uh i think is that would be it like it's like it's like it's turned out fine i've just been myself largely yeah
1: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. it's almost like you can trip yourself up by trying to be something that you're yeah. not when you've just got to trust yourself haven't you you have the best intentions just go with it yeah
2: and to notice so the stuff we've been talking about today of noticing that the bits that i think my kids respond to the best um are the bits when i am most myself you're, you're most like nit. childishly curious in yeah. the world yeah when i'm not trying to be a father <laughs> like the idea yeah. of being a father like this and even i mean i, I don't know about you Rich. like this isn't called the father mindset yeah that's right mindset. yeah yeah there's, there's definitely a different vibe totally um yeah so i mean that's that's not very helpful is it like, no it yourself. is it
1: is because there's so many dads that literally start out in are going. I have no idea how to do this thing. Totally unprepared, underqualified. And then go searching for how to, how to, what are the hacks to make the baby do this or make the baby yeah. go to sleep and everything. And it's like, dude, you're not going to get sleep. So don't even fight it. <laughs> like yeah. there's just this, I guess we, we, in this society, we we want to come up with those quick fixes, that that quick answer to get to the end of something. Whereas actually part of the, the gold is actually going through it
2: yeah that it's a, that it, yeah that sort of being present to the process where yeah the idea that we can hack everything or optimize everything yeah like so much of this is well there's a sort of perverse thing going on isn't it like both trust your instincts um like so often, I think, you know, it is it is no coincidence that it feels incredibly good to have your little kids in bed with you. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just a beautiful thing. And the idea that somehow correct parenting might be to put them in another room and let them cry, fighting all of your natural instincts. Yeah. Like I sort of feel like, you know, everyone is free to choose what they do there. But I sort, for me, it feels like you've got to notice when you're in you know We've evolved for things to feel yeah, right for a reason. Right. It's yeah. because it works. Um, but then equally, there's you know, a sort of perverse thing of that is some of your instincts will, <laughs> will be off kilter because <laughs> of the society we live in, because we're incredibly exhausted, because like, you know, both parents are working because of all that. So your instincts will be slightly different just because you need sleep. Yeah. Um, so yep. you're sort of negotiating that. I think a lot of it is just relax and just tune in.
1: Yeah, that's right. Just be there. And be present yeah. and just yeah, like I like that. Tune in, love no, it. Nick. You
2: don't need like. I mean, obviously, you need to listen to one podcast about parenting, which is this one. <laughs> uh, the rest of it is completely superfluous.
1: Yeah, and any podcast that talks about behaviour, yeah, that's that's about dog training, not ch- child raising. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
2: have on. a um, a thing that a mantra that has really worked for me throughout life, which I hope. In fact, you can see I've got it oh, tattooed yeah? on my on here. Is a friend of mine who um, we talked about Keith Johnston actually before his sort of improv work and a friend of mine Robert Poynton um, uses methods from improvisational theatre uh, in everyday life. His whole thing is about using these methods for being present, and so the the sort of thing is um, notice more, use everything, let go. Everything's an offer. And those are, you know, three principles of, of improvisational theatre. But they're also three principles of, like, making the most out of every moment in life. You know, what is the here that we can use? Um, what, are we, what are we getting stuck on that we need to let go of? You know, everything's an offer. And I both, like, in parenting implicitly, I found that has just worked really well for me. But also now my kids are old enough to go, what's that on your arm <laughs> that I have a thing that I can share with. Like, here's how I approach life. you know, Notice more, use everything, let go. Um, so that, there's also a thing. Like, I feel like I've given you one tangible takeaway. That's take gold. Away. I'll take it, Nick.
1: That's gold. That's straight to the bank. I love it. No, it's, uh, Nick, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me. I really love the work you not do. Your newsletters, like I said, they always put a smile on my face. So please it's keep up been, the great I work. Thank and... you
2: so much. Also, it makes me feel like I, I might have actually worked out one or two not terrible things about being a dad, <laughs> yeah. which is enormously heartening. I will tell my kids about it uh, when we have tea tonight, and they will just think it's the most ridiculous joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyone <laughs> wanted to interview me about parenting advice.
1: <laughs> I think it's epic and then you can like play it in the car and be like, "Hey, this ah, is me yeah. as an expert." <laughs> I told I you I knew is. what I was talking about. Dad, you're such a bullshit. <laughs> That's not what we did. <laughs> awesome. Hey Nick, can't thank you enough. This has been so much fun. I really love, yeah, really lovely. enjoyed it.
2: No, brilliant. Thanks so much for having me, Rich. Cheers, Nick. Take care.
0: Well, thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with Nick, I'll put links to his website and socials in the episode page at thedadmindset.com. If you enjoyed this chat with Nick and feel strangely compelled to do something nice and creative, if you could click the stars at the bottom of your phone or write a quick review for the podcast, I would be eternally grateful and send you a big internet traversing hug. Also, if you feel super inspired to write a review in the form of a haiku, I'd be massively impressed as I don't think anyone has ever done that in the history of the internet. Anyway, I hope you have a great week and as ever, enjoy your caffeinated beverage.